0: you're listening to Vilified, Janae's Story, Season 1, Episode 4, Mommy, Madness, and Me. Over 729 million people suffer from a type of mental illness in the world, according to a study in 2017. The most common? Depression, impacting 300 million people. It's likely that amount has risen as more and more of the afflicted are diagnosed. A mental disorder is a clinical disturbance in a person's cognition, emotion, or behavior. There are all kinds, from anxiety, the aforementioned depression, bipolar, which is half of my diagnosis, and something like PTSD. My, my, my. We meet again. Do you remember my rules? Yes, I have them. This is my podcast. This is my story. Good and bad. It's not for everyone. That means this is your only warning. I speak frankly and honestly. I'm going to cuss. I'm going to call out people. <laughs> but you already know that. Some topics I may cover but are not limited to are sexuality, suicide, and violent behavior. Those easily triggered should not listen. This is a no-holds-bar look into my life and those that suffer from mental illness. A raw, uncut look into the, the minds of me and those afflicted. You have been warned. You ready? Here we go. My name is Janae, and better or worse, this is my story. I've always had a love-hate relationship with my illness. I think it reared its ugly head when I was either 14 or 15, the year of my deep depression, but you've heard enough of that. I'd always been curious about why and when me and my mom had become enemies well not technically enemies, more like we were never on the same page. And I don't think we're on the same page even now as I become more adult and she becomes more just older. The first chapter of my life with my mother was rocky to say the least. I remember things like my mom and my dad yelling at each other And one night my mom and my dad were fighting and arguing and I can't remember who it was, but they threw a plate at the other one and I happened to be in the crosshairs and it hit me in the head. I think I still have the scar from that on my forehead last time I checked. (laughs) It seemed mom and dad weren't on the same page either, but that's a whole can of worms in itself. My memories of my dad, for the most part, were lovely. He brought me everywhere he went. Like, I remember him and maybe my mom, they cleaned um, offices and I was there. Or one time he took me with him to the gym and he was playing basketball. I remember that too. We used to live close to an elementary school at one point and he would walk me to and from school. I remember distinctly one time I peed on myself in class because my teacher wouldn't let me go to the restroom. And my dad came and picked me up. <laughs> he put me on his shoulders and we walked home like nothing was amiss. I don't know if he, realized that I had peed on myself, or he just didn't care. My dad was cool like that. My dad was fascinated with the mind. He had this book, right? It was something to do with the mind. And I tried during my later years to find something like it, and I never ended up doing that. But he shared it with me. And I have always been in love with science because of him. I miss him. You see, my dad committed suicide. He was mentally ill like me. I think his genes passed it to me. My dad left when I was five years old. My last memory of him was when I was at my maternal grandmother's house and he was leaving and my hand is made like an old person's hand. He woke me up and he was like, our hands are the same. And that's the last memory I have of him physically. (sighs) I hate this. I hate thinking about that. It makes me cry every time. In fact, I have a book I'm writing that is very close to the life I've led, and it's called Notes of My Heart because I used to be able to sing, I mean, I still sing, but my voice is not nearly as good as it was, and, uh, I put in a lot of me in the story, and, um, the main character her father leaves for the very last time and gives her a memento and it just made me think of that story that I'm writing but I'm off topic yet again the last time I talked to my dad I yelled at him it was 19 well I won't date myself but I was gonna run off with my uh my high school sweetheart I was unknowingly pregnant at the time but he was trying my mom had called him to see if he could stop me from going to Florida with my baby and I yelled at him I yelled at him and that was it. Years later my dad's family called my mom and they told her he was dead That song by Christina Aguilera, the one, Hurt, where she is reminiscing about her father, it brings me to tears every fucking time. Yeah, I miss my dad. Anyways, my memories of me and my siblings are less loving. My brother lived with me and my parents for one year, which In and of itself is weird. Otherwise, he stayed with my grandma. I remember him reading Judy Bloom to me about fudge. I don't know if you guys have ever read a Judy Bloom book, but as a child, loving English and reading, it was one of the first books I can ever remember. There's another one, I think it's called Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. If you ever need a blast from the past, look those books up. Look up Judy Blume, she's a great author. Anyways, we were very close that year. I remember one time, me and my brother got up and I thought we were like late for school. (laughs) So we raced out. It was like super early in the morning and I just remember the moon was huge, huge in the sky. I don't know why I remember that, but that's one of the stories that I tell my daughter about when I talk about my family and especially when I talk about my brother. But I would see him like, when I went to my grandma's in the summer, I would see him and he would torture me like all big brothers do but it, it was pretty good i felt i don't know it was the first and only time i felt like i belonged when he and i were fight, fighting or arguing or whatever and my grandma was there <sighs> he would let me come into his room like his room was off limits to just about everybody but my grandma but he would let me come in there and we would talk about weird things (laughs) like um, for instance we used to love to turn the volume down on a television show and then we will pick a character and then we would talk for them and we would say the most off ball that's not a word off No, that's not a word. Goofball stuff. We would just talk silly. We would silly talk or whatever. But that was my experience and my memories of my brother. We grew apart as we aged. And I kind of stopped talking to him because, well, he said something to me that was due to my age. And he said I wasn't supposed to be doing it. And I stopped talking to him because nobody tells me what to do. (laughs) So then there was my sister. She was a different beast in and of itself. My sister is six years younger than me. So like one year, my my mom brought me to my grandma's house and she just kind of left me there. I, I don't remember how old I was. I think, I thought I was eight, but I just remember my mom left and my dad left and I just was at my grandma's house and I didn't meet my, my sister until she was she was a little girl at the time when I met her. And because of that, I felt kind of like we were strangers (laughs) like you like like okay say this if you're in a family this for a long time you're the only child in a family and then you know you go away for a couple of years come back and there's this perfect stranger you know and you're supposed to call them sister or brother or whatever I mean how would you feel about that yeah it's kind of like that When I met my sister, I was like... I just instantly felt jealousy and rage and disappointment, really. Why? My mother favored her more. In previous episodes, I mentioned that my mother always favors her. Even now, she still favors her. Like, for instance, my mom would throw my sister a party every year for her birthday. And I do not remember her throwing one for me. If she did, it was one that wasn't memorable at all. My mother has a photo album of my sister for every year as a child, and I don't have one. (laughs) I thought my mom hated me. To be honest, I really did. I mean, The comparison was there. My mom, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird, you know? They would take turns, like, making fun of me. (laughs) As stupid as it sounds, it really hurt, you know? And before I had my dad to protect me, but now, now you see why I turned into this, Hate filled, sad person that had a black year, especially when my mom started having boyfriends. It was just, it was just a lot of hate, a lot of sorrow, and it swirled into a vortex. I remember one time my sister got on my lap, and then I don't know what came over me, but the hatred came out and I pushed her off my lap. Now, as a child, you don't have those kind of thoughts of like murder or whatever. Well, at least I did. But I I pushed her off my lap and she hit her head on the TV, on the corner. She had the biggest robin's egg on her forehead. I swear to God, I thought I was going to die. I don't even know if my mom punished me for that. But... Yeah, that happened. (sighs) That stimuli of open mocking and favoritism was so compacted over the years until me and my sister, we we just went at it. All I remember is I kept sucker-punching her. And, yeah, it didn't amount to much because we're still here, so... (laughs) But yeah, that happened. My sister and I, we are completely estranged. Like we live in the same same state, but we do not talk. And I don't know why anymore. Like my mom watches her kids and my son and when my sister and I see each other We say hello, but there's no emotion behind that hello. I honestly don't know what she feels about me or if she even likes me or whatever. I mean, we have conversations, but they're so sterile. You know what I mean? I felt the one year that I made up with her, ever the mediator, I made up my sister one year and we hung And, you know, it was fun or whatever, but I just felt like I was kissing her ass the entire time just to have somebody to hang out with. I never felt a closeness with my sister or my brother. It was just, I was, I felt like an alien. Like I, I like, I was the alien instead of my sister, you know? And You're not supposed to feel like that with your family. Not at fucking home. And you know, none of my family mentioned me and my illness. I don't even know what they think of it or if they think of it, you know? And it shouldn't be that way. Now, after the shit I was put through with my mom, obviously she didn't take my diagnosis well. When I told her I was getting social security disability, her response was priceless. She said, now you'll never get a job. (laughs) What the fuck, mom? I spent my entire life seeking validation from her and I never got it. She never said she was proud of me. The closest she came was when I was on the swim team in high school. She kept a newspaper clipping of my win where they misspelled my name and that was it maybe I was asking too much for her to come to one of my meets maybe that was too much I mean she was working out hours at work um, but she didn't make it to any of them but I asked I would tell her you know I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to swim this weekend. Can you come or whatever? And nothing. I remember always being sad when I would go to swim meets because everybody would have their family cheering for them and I would have nothing. The only support I've ever had when my illness came about was M, my daughter. I asked her some questions before um, I did this podcast because I just wanted to know. I wanted to know from her point of view some things. So I asked her, you know, what it was like living with me as a child. And she told me it wasn't bad, but she thought that I was more of her friend than her mother and that kind of sucked, which is just sad. But she told me she was never afraid of me other than coming home to find me dead. And when I was being a guinea pig at the clinics I went to, I had lots of bouts with depression so I know exactly what she's talking about. And I I told you last week that I made a new friend. Her name is G. So she had a a you know, her experience with her parents and family and all that shit sucks too. (laughs) Her family life, her, well, she told me that her eldest sister called the cops on her because she wouldn't get out of bed for school and because she was suicidal. And I think when people say that they're suicidal, not all the time, but I think when people usually say, it, it's that way for me, that they just want to vent, that they have these emotions inside of their head and they need to vent. They need to get it out of their body. And, you know, things will proceed. I mean, my... My daughter used to panic every time I said I'm suicidal. And when I would tell my best friend, she would be like, didn't she know that you just want to vent? Because my daughter would be like, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. But she's, she's learned now that I need to vent every now and again. It's really sad. But anyways, back to my friend. Yeah, she her sister called the cops on her. And when they got there, she was holding a knife and she wasn't sure if she was going to kill herself or her sister. And they took her to the hospital where a, they had screened her. Her CT scan was showing that she had schizophrenia. But once they told her mother, the her mother said that she was a liar and a manipulator and that They were being manipulated into her diagnosis. And that's fucked up. (laughs) That is... Why? But why? She was only like 14. And when they decided to lock her up for... She didn't tell me how many hours or how many days, but... When they decided to lock her up, G started screaming. And she was given 900 milligrams of Cerochrome. You know how much that is? You know what that, that shit does to you? It's not... In... When they were giving it to me, it was for sleep. And I never took that high dosage. She was 14. She told me that she stopped screaming. Of course... And she can only lay there and not move, not sleep, or not move. That's, that's, who does that? Back to the story. G's mom suffers from depression, I think. And so G's mom suffers from a mental illness of her own. And she wanted to die and her mother wanted to kill her. Even now, you know, her family life is still fucked because she told me that she was going to see her family and they decided to take some pictures and they didn't tell her about it. They didn't tell G about it. And then they took their pictures without her. And when I heard that, I felt, I felt so bad, not for her, but Just for the situation. I mean, yeah, I say my family sucks. Everybody says their family sucks, but do they really mean it? I mean, do they literally suck enough to keep you out of photos or not come to your swim meets or forget your birthday or anything like that? I mean, it's food for thought. Anyways, I guess... The reason my mom acted like she did was because she feared that people would judge her based on how I act and maybe she would feel shame because I am like I am. Even now, we don't discuss my illness. And then it's like, why do I still talk to her? Why do I still seek the validation from her? I'm a mental child. I'm a mediator. I want to mend what is broken. Some days I have bad days, and I I'm a cancer, okay? So, home, family, that's important to us. There are days that I just it's bad. Life is bad, and I just want to go home and cry on her shoulder and her pat my back and tell me everything is going to be fine. And then she feeds me some comfort food. The, 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 the most that my mom does now is like, there's this, there's this food she makes me and it's just for me. It's called chicken and what is it? Gravy chicken and gravy. It's delicious and she makes it perfect. And it's always just like the, she knows how to do roux very well. And I don't know why I'm talking about this, but off topic again, but that's what she does. And that's our little thing. She, I get sad. She makes me go chicken and gravy. And that's, that's how we live. I mean, we don't even hug. Who doesn't hug? I mean, that was one of the reasons why when I went to that church, I didn't know how to hug the people. (laughs) I hadn't received a hug from my mom since I was like five. And I'm not five, I'm far, far from five. Because I was alienated from my family, I sought out other families I could be introduced to. And be welcomed into. I haven't mentioned my father's side of the family. You you do realize that. Well, there's a reason for that. We're close. I haven't been close to my father's side of the family. And there's a reason for that. I met my cousin, second cousin, or third cousin in high school. In the school I hated so badly. But I met her and she asked me to come over and I did. And I met my second cousin, which is complicated, which is like the cousin of my dad. I met her kids and her, and it was fine. I remember going over there a lot because I needed that much validation and it was fine. They're religious and I am not. And I don't remember if they were uber religious like some of my dad's relatives are, but I just stopped going. And I don't remember why. I don't, they were, and it, it wasn't like they were bad people, they were good people. I just stopped. And I don't know why. I also hung out with my mother, my dad's sister, and that was an experience. She was she was really into the really into the church, and I remember the the one thing that stuck out from my dad's sister was she would drink Kool-Aid right with her dinner or whatever. And she would give the kids water. She, she said, kids drink water, adults drink Kool-Aid. Why I remember that, I don't know. But I do not like water at all as an adult. So I always hung out with my grandfather, my father's father. And it was fine. He had pictures of my dad as a little person. And pictures of his brother and sister and all this other stuff but it brought back terrible memories so I had to cut that sh- shit short too they're just super religious. God is everything to them no I'm not knocking people who believe in God and all this other stuff I am not I am, was not you know put into the church and and I told you guys about the whole never feeling God's gift or God's glory or God's anything. It was just too much. It was just too much. It was too much of one thing. I don't want to repeat myself, but my experience with the Abrahamic God is just love and hate. Well, not hate. Hate is a really strong word. More like love and disagreement. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, I prayed. I prayed a lot from my teens till I got into my 20s. I prayed a lot. There were so many things going wrong in my life and I needed that. I needed, I read the Bible back and forth and upside down. I read the Bible and yeah, at the time when I read it, it gave me comfort, but I never heard from him. You see what I'm saying? I never heard from God. All I felt was the trials and the tribulations, and I got tired of them. i just tired. I grew weary of them to the point where I would talk to God the way I'm talking to you. And that's not cool, that's not cool at all. It's just like, my family is large. It's a huge amount of people. There are infinite, well, my last name, people. And then on my mother's side, there's infinite of those people too. And they always have these family reunions I don't know about my sister or my brother, just my sister. I know my mom goes to some of them. They never invite me. And like, I'm a black sheep of some sort. It's just like, have you ever been in a room full of people, even people that you know, and felt lonely? That's how I feel. People talk about their families all the time, and they're like, Oh, yeah, my brother and I got together for, you know, best basketball. Or, you know, I'm gonna call my sister because we can't stop talking about such and such. And I just, I don't relate. I don't. Even when I came out saying that I had this illness, no response, no acknowledgement, no nothing. Nobody said anything. Nothing, nada, no. And now, you ask? Now my mother messages me once a day, either that, or once every two days. And I'm the bigger person. I'm just like, I message her back. You know? Why? My biggest fear is that my mom will hurt herself, or she'll lose her memories, or she will just die and I will not have said, I love you, mom, or, you know, I'm thinking about you or how are you doing? I don't want her to go to her grave, never knowing, or feeling, how I want to say this? I don't want her to go to her grave and never feel like she didn't belong. Like like when I was growing up, I don't want her to feel that way. And I don't know why. It's just, I don't want her to think, well, you know, my first name, you know, she didn't love me enough or she didn't love me at all. I don't want that to happen. I mean, the truth is my mom and I aren't perfect, but she is and she will ever be forever, my mom. I may never hear the words, I'm so proud of you. But that's cool now that I'm this age. I can deal with that. But I'm satisfied. I I don't need to hear the words anymore. I mean, it would be nice. That would be lovely. It would be great. But that's one of the reasons I do this podcast. It's cathartic. It helps me mentally <laughs> to get all these words out to, to talk to you guys the way I'm talking now. And if you have a mother that's still alive, you should say that to her. You should tell her that she is wanted, that she, she is loved. Why? Do you really want someone to go to their grave and you never express how much you care about them? How grateful whether good or bad they have affected your life is that really something you want on your conscience no you don't i'm gonna answer for you no hell no that's not what you want okay your mother might be a she devil from the depths but she is your mother there is no other mother for you that was that woman pushed you out And even if you call somebody else mother, you only have one, you know? They may not be the most quote unquote, lovely person around, but my daughter and I, we don't say I love you enough. And I tell her all the time, You know, you need to appreciate me while I'm here because there's going to be one time that you are going to regret not saying you love me or not saying or checking on me or whatever, you know, I don't want you to regret that. So every so often we'll have a heart to heart conversation and we'll talk about whatever just because I don't want her to have that 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 regret you know what I mean because me and my daughter are super tight and unfortunately we are more friends than we are mother daughter but you know what you gonna do what you gonna do anyways tell your parents that you love them that's all I'm saying well I have talked to you guys ear off enough (laughs) I want to thank you if you're returning and if you're new welcome. This is a safe space. I do not judge. I am always here to talk. You can reach me at Janae, the Writer at Yahoo.com or go to my website, www.JanaeWritsIt.com. I am always available. I have way too much time on my hands, people. And if you love the sound of my 15-year-old boy going through puberty cracks and want something lighter to listen to, you can go to my podcast where I talk about everything writing. It's called How Not to Write with Janae. And it's pretty PG-13 over there. Maybe because, like, Like, I didn't really cuss in this episode, but over there, I stick to, like, damn, or maybe the occasional hell, but it's pretty much PG-13 over there. And if that's not your cup of tea, you can read, well, you can listen to me read my debut novel, The Lady of Death. The Lady of Death podcast is what it's called. I also have a Patreon if you want to donate to my show or my book, and it's www. Dot patreon.com janae writes it so that's all i have for you guys i look forward to you subscribing and becoming a member of my team <laughs> and if not if this is where we part ways remember stand tall my dears goodbye